Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jones! Bowden! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. I hope you enjoyed the slight tweak to our theme music and there's a reason for that actually because we've started a new venture in the last week or two. Some of you may have noticed and have already connected to it. A new venture is this virtual cricket club. We are inviting former or current England players or stars of the past into our virtual cricket club once a week on a Thursday night. 7pm. You can connect to that by going to the Patreon site www.patreon.com slash theanalyst1 and uh, we're very lucky to have the England captain Joe Root in the house on Thursday night. So this podcast actually is some extracted highlights of that hours chat we had with the England captain. Uh, Some very interesting stuff about the way his game is evolving, the plans for the winter, how it was playing in the biosecure bubble, uh, the difficulties actually of players in the future having to deal with these kind of circumstances for long periods of time, being isolated from their family and so on. So very interesting uh, chat with Joe Root, including a little quiz which we've called How Well Do You Know Yourself, Uh, which he didn't do terribly well on actually and uh, we have Stuart Broad scheduled to join us in the virtual cricket club next Thursday the 29th of October so look out for that and I'll give you details at the end of this podcast again about how to get involved and all this is in aid of a very very good cause it's the Professional Cricketers Trust which is the charity run by the Professional Cricketers Association to look after disadvantaged players, players that have fallen on hard times, have hit depression or stress or anxiety in some way and need some sort of support. Their funding has been badly hit over the last year, as you would expect, uh, like all people's event 
related uh, funding businesses have. Uh, they're £200,000 down, so everything we can raise from the Virtual Reality Cricket Club is going to go, any, any profits are going to go to that professional cricketers trust so it's a really good charity it's a really good fund and the England players are willingly giving their time for nothing to try and raise funds for it. Uh, Just before we get into Joe Root a couple of things to say firstly that this podcast is now for the next month or two supported by beer52.com which is of course the independent craft beer supplier number one craft beer club in the UK lots of really interesting craft beer that they supply from all over the world and also one other little thank you uh, before we get into Joe Root and just just as a thank you to the Barmy Army you guys have been a Obviously, uh, a little bit sad over the summer, unable to get to cricket, but at least there's been some to watch. And the Barmy Army helpfully promoted our virtual cricket club the other night on their newsletter. Uh, They are looking for more members. For £30 membership, you get priority access to test matches and ODIs and T20 international tickets at home and abroad. Let's just hope there'll be some crowds at some of these games in the near future. And also, you get priority access to other cricket events such as Finals Day uh, at Edgebaston. And there's 120 retailer discounts for all sorts of other merchandise. If you go to barmyarmy.com slash membership, that £30 membership is a great deal, especially when the crowds start to get let in. And that was a subject, actually, that I started with with Joe Root the other night because first thing I talked to him about, really, was what the hell it's been like. Bizarre experience, batting, going into bat with no crowd at an international venue. What was that like? My first experience of it was I walked out to bat for the first time this summer and I walked out on a hat-trick ball and it was just deadly silent. And I didn't really know how to sort of react to that. It was almost worse. Um, having been in that situation before, because normally you've got something to to really get you going and, and feel like it gets you in the game, a bit of an atmosphere to feed off. And um, especially a home crowd, you always you always look forward to playing uh, test summers in England because of that lively, bubbly atmosphere you get within the grounds. And that wasn't there. Um, so it did take a little bit of an adjustment in that respect. And I think you've probably noticed it the most when the game started to, when you were in the field and the games felt like they were starting to meander along a little bit or there was a quite substantial partnership building um, where the crowd can actually have quite an impact on the group and can give you a real lift or um, really create something um, that you might not necessarily to be, be able to create on the field. So it was, I suppose, managing those pockets of play and those times within games as best we could as players, knowing that it was going to be tough Um and trying to find other ways of, of making sure we were always on it throughout any any session or any difficult passage of play. I see Frank Pello says, did you miss that distinct sound of root? <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. Always. It's, um, it took a while to get used to. Um, I thought it was the, the pantomime villain for a long time, but um, it's, uh, it's certainly something I look forward to hearing again, hopefully. Well, we thought we'd remind him of that great Barmy Army crowd call as Joe Root either comes into bat or, in this case, celebrates 100. Clip leg side, gets through and gets Joe Root to his 10th Test 100. His first against Pakistan. His first at Old Trafford. The move to number three has worked. 200. Listen to the noise. 
So the Barmy Army, much missed by Joe Root and his colleagues. Uh, then we moved on the conversation to talking about batting and his own evolution and whether he spent the last month or two working on his game or trying to kind of uh, sit tight and forget about it all and, and refresh when the time comes to start training again. I think as a player over time, and especially now with the amount of analysis and data that teams have, um, you have to constantly keep looking to evolve your game. If you keep playing in the same way, very quickly find trends and ways and patterns in which you get out. So, um, of course, you don't want to revamp and completely pull apart your, your technique and, and try and start again. But there are certain things that have to keep moving forward. And um, you know over time that if you get out in a in three or, f- three or four occasions uh, in a similar fashion, teams will be looking at that and will be bowling more balls in that area or trying to use that as a as a real weapon to get you out so if you feel like there are flaws or deficiencies within your game or areas that aren't quite as up to scratch as possible you have to find ways of um, dealing with that and sometimes that does mean making minor adjustments in in trigger movements or contact points even shot selection to a degree as well trying to play that long almost longer version of cat and mouse not just within the test match but also within a a calendar year or a series and I think it's quite an interesting part. It's something that I actually really enjoy about about the game is that you can't just bat one way all the time or you can't just look to play the same way throughout. You've got to keep looking to improve, got to keep looking to evolve your game and um, not just marry up to the conditions that are in front of you, but also be very aware of how sides are going to get you out and, and how they will be looking to get you out. Uh, so d- does that mean you you actually spend a fair bit of time looking at your own game and sort of thinking... How can I just tweak it, you know, looking at other bowlers and what they might be looking to do? And therefore, it's almost like homework, is it, in a way? It is, yeah. I mean, uh, I sent an email to our analyst at the start of the week and I said, I want to get, if you could please send me the, over, I think it was over the last two years, the, all my modes of dismissal. And I want to specifically know if there's a, any sort of pattern between 0 and 20 and also between... 50 and 80 as well, um, if there are any trends there. So just always trying to find ways in, you know, if there are certain elements of my game that seem to be constantly worked over and I, I've not got the right answers for, I can I can go back and look at that and try and find ways of, of improving that for for the future. Uh, have you had the analysis back or has it taken a while to put all that together? And uh, I've, not, I've not actually had it back yet. So yeah. I'll, I'll be looking for that. Uh, hopefully it'll come in the next week or so, um, which... You know, we'll be back, hopefully back training in a, in a week or two's time. So it would give me a good couple of weeks to to look at it and, and start putting things in in place and into practice before we uh, we get out playing some cricket again. I remember the uh, I, I used to be quite friendly with uh, Jeff Marsh, the uh, father of Mitchell and Sean Marsh. Um, kind of play, I played with him in Australia. And he, he told me a funny story once about rooming with David Boone. He woke up in the middle of the night, sort of conscious of something happening in the room, and it was David Boone naked, with his just his batting gloves and his bat, rehearsing his you know back foot defence or something in the mirror. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm not t- suggesting you get up naked in the middle of the night to do that, but do you are you a great shadow batter, sort of looking in the mirror to see if everything's aligned when you've got a, a spare moment? Um, I, I will tinker about with things, generally with clothes on, but I will. Um, shadow bat on occasions whether it be around the house or in the dressing room or around practice and and 
I, I've always felt with within my own game, I, I've I've liked to f- see how things feel. So I I will watch and I will um, I'll I'll look at certain elements of things and um, talk to a lot of coaches. But generally, it's a it's always been a feel thing, and I, I, that's how I sort of understand my game the best. I suppose is by um, trying different things out, trying to picking my hands up in different areas and and working it working it through that way. We talked a bit about uh, batting, Joe. Uh, let's um, talk about captaincy um, and, and perhaps uh, look at some of the questions that have come in as well. well it's great to have everyone uh, with us. Please uh, ask your your questions. Here's one from Alex Gaywood, Headingley 2019. Well, what, what a de- what a well what a strange test match that was. The the downs and then the ups. As captain, how did your emotions change during the day? How many times did you think the match was gone? And when did you believe Jack Leach, with a little help from Ben Stokes, would see England home? That's a question from Alex Gaywood. Well, it wasn't just the, the day, it was the whole game. It was a roller coaster of emotions. I remember winning the toss, bowling first, bowling Australia out for under 200 and thinking, we've got a really good opportunity to win this test match. With it very quickly within two sessions or a session and a bit, uh, we, we were back in the field and, and really up against it uh, with the series on the line. My emotions did changed quite drastically but then you, you get you fast forward to that day and we battled very hard to get into a position going into the, the fourth day to still have an opportunity to win the game um, and was pretty confident actually at the start of it with me and Ben still at the crease we knew if we could put 50-60 on it would really put them under pressure um, and we knew that we'd, we'd already put good overs into their bowlers the day before uh, and it would just be about if we can grind 20 overs into their seamers uh, we would we would get a lot plenty of of good scoring opportunities and um, the game would open up for us. Um, fact was it, it didn't quite materialise like that. And I remember speaking to Jack just before he went out and I said, "Well, ever there's two players there, we've got an opportunity to win this game." And he looked at me with a very blank face, a sort of half nodded and just walked out. Um, and what happened after that? I mean, I was sat in a room. Joss had sort of half taken his shirt off and he couldn't quite managed to get it back on he was in some sort of um so much well he was just so engrossed in the game uh Stuart was the viewing gallery at Headingley is really short so the I mean the, the ceiling for Stuart's about here every time we hit boundary his head would go through one of the plasterboards above him <laughs> um and it was just it was just chaos we had guys so Joe Denley wouldn't leave the toilets he, he'd stood in the toilets throughout um different points where we got good partnerships so he was just wandering around the toilets, didn't watch a ball, uh, was just listening to crowd reaction and to the commentary on, on the whether it be on the radio or the television. Yeah, it, it, there was a few lads also in in the physio room that would refuse to move because cricketers do seem to be mm. quite suspicious. Um, superstitious, yeah. Superstitious, sorry. Um, and um, yeah, it was. I mean, just a phenomenal passage of plays. Everything. From that point that Jack walked out to to us or Ben hitting the winning runs seemed to fall in our favour um, and made I mean the atmosphere within the ground was mm. something that I thought the World Cup final was um, something that would never be replicated in terms of an atmosphere to play in and that was um, at least on a par with it it was incredible to see uh, such a well just to see everyone be so involved in the game and the I'm sure the impact had that. I'm sure the crowd had a huge impact on on the on the guys out there in the field, whether it be Ben and the other guys batting, or or whether it be the Australian players, because 
it was just electric. It really was. I mean, it gives me goosebumps just sat here talking about it now. It's uh, definitely one of the, the most exciting uh, games of cricket I think I will ever be involved in or, or watch. What about when that ball hit the pad? Nathan Lyon right near the end against Ben Stokes. I, I wasn't too worried. I thought it was going down, actually. I, I, I genuinely <laughs> thought, no, it's not spun. That's going down the leg side. That's fine. And when they when they reviewed the one before, I... I did think that there was because they they got it wrong and so badly wrong that it, it, there was something going to happen like that, <laughs> and I was worried. I was actually worried that because they'd used their reviews, the umpire would be in favour of of them and um, and yeah. say, "Well, we've got a chance to review it." And thankfully, that wasn't the case. And you know, Joel Wilson will forever be England's <laughs> favourite umpire. I think. <laughs> yeah. Should just say hello to to a few people who've, who've joined here. Dorothy Betts is here, saying hello to Joe from Sheffield. I know she runs the uh, Sheffield Cricket Lover Society, and uh, your granddad Don is always there. He he might be yeah. joining at some point as well. I think he said he's having a bit of trouble with the technology at the moment, so he's not sure whether he's going to join or not. Andy Hamilton, hello, Jacob Matthew, uh, JJ Hassan, um, lots of people coming uh, and saying things. Will Gould, he he was here last time, I remember. Uh, so thank you very much, everybody, for, for joining. Sorry we haven't mentioned everybody. And, and you mentioned, Joe, there about, um, you know, the great crowd of Headingley and that incredible atmosphere. And you've had this summer as a total contrast. Uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, how it was to play in front of no crowd. But what about playing in the biosecure bubble? Is it going to be in the future, do you think, a, a, a situation where people are going to have to miss certain matches because the pressure of being sort of isolated like that for, for long periods is pretty tough. Yeah, I think that, I think Morgs came out actually and said something quite open and honest he did, this week yeah. about, um, about it. And I completely agree. I don't think there's much longevity in it. It does wear you down over a period of time, being away from family, being such a high intense environment for long periods of time like that. And, and feel like you've, you've, you're, I mean, it's the same for everyone in many, many respects in terms of your freedom to an extent has been taken away from you with this virus. Uh, but when it's away from your family um, and you know, even little things like being able to just go to the shops and um, or, or go out and, and play golf, which are all within the rules at the moment, uh, um, we, were, we weren't able to do it, over a period of time. It is especially when you wake up at, at, at half five, six a.m. when the uh, the ground staff are mowing the outfield um, and, you know, you open the, the curtains and, you know, you just can't seem to get away from the game. And if you've had a, a rough day the day before it, over a period of time, it, it can uh, have yeah. a significant effect. And I think probably one of the most frustrating things about this this summer um, was was for you know, the cricket lovers that would, would normally be at those games. And you think of some of the milestones and some of the real special moments that this summer has produced, they've been taken away from um, a live audience. Um, you know, Jimmy and, and Brody hitting those magic milestones. Some of the innings uh, from the young batters and from Ben in the test matches, along with, you know, speak about Dawid in the, in the T20 format and Joss Butler. Um, and similarly, you know, Sam Billings, uh, 100 against Australia. I thought that was a wonderful, um, wonderful innings and some some brilliant matches throughout that um, unfortunately weren't able to be enjoyed as as you normally would. And so, 
there, there are a number of things that have been quite frustrating from a playing side of thing. I think mentally, not not mm. just um, for a a period of time. So it's to say, like this summer, I think it's the the prolonged thing. So there's a number of guys that will have gone from playing in a biosecure bubble this summer straight to an IPL, who could then be expected to go straight to South Africa, Africa. have a period of time at home, maybe two weeks. Um, within that would have to start isolating ready for the next tour to Sri Lanka and then straight to India. If that all goes ahead as planned, that does not give um, guys enough time to uh, be be humans, human beings in, in my eyes. It, it, you've got to allow people to uh, recharge, refresh themselves. And ultimately playing for England is a huge honour and a huge privilege. And everyone that, that I've in this current environment is very grateful and understands the enormity and the um the care that goes into having or the pride that goes into having that responsibility um but you never want guys being or having that opportunity and not being able to to give absolutely everything uh when they go out and walk out to that field you want them to be right up for it and um 100 committed to to the cause and I think there will be occasions where players will have to be uh, quite honest and, and say, look, I, I'm finding things hard at the moment. And um, as management and as captains and senior players, guys will have to understand that, um, uh, that, that, that that's part and parcel of the current climate that we're playing in, the current world that we're playing cricket in. It's, it's not always, it might not be that we can get through a winter playing our, our best 11 or have our best squad available throughout the whole period um just just one other question sort of about this summer um i remember um being in australia at perth in the ashes and walking down adelaide terrace in the center of perth to go out for dinner and uh, i heard your voice behind me walking up uh, up the road uh, it was the day before the third test and obviously you were captain and you were walking i said what are you doing and you said you were walking to a deli to buy food for your family to cook for them before the play because you stay were staying in these self-catering apartments. And I just thought that was an amazing thing that England captain wasn't sending out a lackey or, you know, some <laughs> takeaway person or, you know, getting a delivery or whatever. You were buying food yourself to cook yourself. So I just wondered, is there anything in lockdown that you've discovered about your cooking? Have you come up with a new, <clears throat> new recipe? Have you got anything you can recommend? I've, I've spent periods of it working on different, on different things. Um, trying to make some homemade burgers and trying to perfect those for at the start of lockdown when we were in uh, had some good weather outside trying to perfect a, a decent burger for whenever it is we get an opportunity to host people again um, I've more recently tried to perfect a good steak um, so meat orientated we've, basically we've actually, anyway you're not going meat, on a plant-based diet yet yeah, uh, not, no plant-based diet for you then no I'm not I've just seen someone comment that a lot of root vegetables always, always <laughs> seems to come up that um, very good Bernie uh, but yeah just I suppose just we, we've actually got a, a thermomix more recently so we've been trying a few recipes within that and um, it makes life a lot easier there's not a lot of skill required for that let's take up some more of the actually our uh, viewers questions uh, Ian Wigster I mean this is, this is an interesting one what are the main differences, do you think, Joe? I mean, so it's a way off now, and there's still a bit to come. 
uh, with uh, Sri Lanka, India, India at home, etc. And uh, I mean, presumably those games are, are played, of course. What are the main differences in how you'll approach next year's Ashes series as a captain from the previous tour? It's a good question, that. It is a very good question. And it's something that we've we work very hard on looking at what we need to do if we're going to be successful there. And you look at the way we've set the team up currently, and a lot of that is around how we want to perform out there. We need to score big runs and bat long periods of time. And we've invested time in young players that we believe are good enough to be able to do that and a batting group that should be more consistent of going out and scoring scores of over 400 plus. And you need to do it in the first innings under pressure and, and set the game up. So that that's something that we've we've tried to put a big emphasis on since the last Ashes series and feel that we've actually made big strides on. Um, you know, we've we've hit 400 plus a, a number of times uh, in the recent past. And, and I think that's reflected in some of the results within uh, as well. Uh, and similarly, I think you look at how we've we've tried to factor in a little bit more pace to um, complement mm. what are our main strengths as a bowling group and a seam group likes of the consistent performance like Jimmy, Brody, Wokesy and Sam Curran. And, and of that ilk who are not quite as quick. You, I think over there you do need impact bowlers like likes of Jofra, um, Mark Wood, who who can who can offer something when nothing's happening. Um, there's a number of other good young players in and around that have, have shown promise, likes of Ollie Stone, who I think is a very exciting prospect when he's fit and um hopefully he can get some some good cricket under his belt before then. But um mm. it's I, all the time you're trying to balance between the current conditions and the current series you're you're within mm. and and looking forward and um it's something that we've paid quite particular attention to of late and you know we'll continue to over the course of the i think what it one of his is 12 test matches or or just over going into to that first one at brisbane although um just just a point about that i, I mean simon and i both were at the 2011 series which obviously england won in australia and actually the the bowling attack there was quite an English attack. I mean, you know, Brezzy, Brezzy lad did really well, didn't he? And obviously Jimmy, um, uh, we, had, I think we had Chris Tremlett who Tremlett. had a bit of extra sort of bounce clearly. And Steve Finn played a few of those tests. Um, so in a way you can get, I suppose you can get um, lured into thinking that you need rapid pace. Whereas, I mean, the Australian attack is, is, is a, is a hostile attack. But you wouldn't necessarily. Not all the bowlers are ninety miles an hour. No, and you you look at why they they had elements of su success in England um, in the last series, and it was because they were relentless in the areas they bowled for long periods of time. They'd run yeah. in and they'd hit an area with an occasional bouncer. There was not. It wasn't um, hard to work out what they were trying to do and how they were trying to operate. They'd use short, sharp spells. Uh, they'd come on, and you know they'd be generally quite patient uh, and trying it hopefully get something from the surface and they knew if they'd live and, and tested our defense for long periods of time, then they, you know, they back themselves to get some reward. Um, and on our English wickets it, that, that, you know, that, that you're always going to get a little bit of movement in Australia, you don't get so much movement. So you have to be even more relentless with that. Um, yeah. Sure. And the kookaburra ball. As look well, how they, when they, when they have Stark within there. Yeah, and mm. and, and their, their their approach changes when Stark comes into the team. They have someone that, that can bowl with extra bit of pace and 
um, will mm. look to try and blow the tail away in particular uh, and use reverse swing later on in an innings. But ultimately, he just attacks. He doesn't. It doesn't matter to them if he goes at four and over. Uh, but they're hoping that once a spell, he, he picks up a wicket and opens the door for the other guys. And uh, I think it's... It, it's important to look at how teams operate in their own environments and you don't want to copy teams. You want to do it your own way and you want to use your strengths. But ultimately, if there are things that you find or you've got players that are very good at, at similar ways of performing and, and executing skills that, that can be successful over there, then we should definitely um, you know, not be shy or embarrassed to, to learn from a, a team who in their own conditions are a very difficult side to beat and have been for a number of years and um, look back mm. at that series as well and think how much of a hole Ben Ben left um, yeah. not yeah. being available you know he's, mm. he's two players in one in, in many respects and the balance of our t- team had to change quite drastically without us having any sort of um, games where he wasn't available um, so we so we had you know we didn't have much chance to get used to it leading into that that series just, just a related question and um, is, is that are we sometimes almost over-obsessed by Ashes and winning in Australia when actually winning in India is probably as hard and that comes first? Uh, So, you know, I suppose a simpler question would be, which is tougher, a tour to India or a tour to Australia? Um, I think they're on a level playing field, to be honest. I think the, I suppose the the romance of an Ashes series and the history and uh, everything Mm. that goes with it will always mean that it's hyped up more and, and make it a, a more enticing thing to be able to, um, you know, say you've gone to Australia and won a series. I think um, mm. anyone that's won over in India will, will say that that has got to be up there with some of their biggest achievements. And um, it's certainly something that we, you know, as I said, we, we are preparing extremely hard for. Uh, but uh, again, the principles of, of how I explained what we need to do to be successful in Australia apply there as well. It just in a different, in a slightly different way, you need to score big first innings runs because the wickets do deteriorate. It does get a lot harder second innings, you know, a 40 uh, or a 50 could be worth 190 in the first innings in many ways because of how extreme the conditions get quite quickly. So, um, of course, you, you balance the side and the amount of spin you might want within and uh, you know, re- reverse swing can play a huge part with the ball. But in terms of how we want to operate and um, how we want to set things up, it it doesn't change a huge amount in terms of our game plan. It might just with slight personnel within. Talk about playing in India and Australia. What, what about captaining in in Australia and India? Uh, the, the you know the tours there last time were were, were difficult. Um, is it is it is it much harder in one than the other? Is is this sort of that Aussie focus just so relentless? India, although you can't sort of get out that much, you can perhaps you're not as aware aware of sort of being against a nation as you are in Australia when you when you go there for Ashes tour. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm yet to experience that in India as a captain. Uh, as a player, certainly, it's um, I'd say that there's. Just a genuine love for cricket within India, and you can really see that within the grounds. It's uh, there's not the I wouldn't say hatred, but the um, animosity towards the England team from Indian fans that you might get from a from an Australian public or, or within a ground um, in an Ashes series. So um, one thing that I remember quite vividly from my first tour to India was when uh, I was 12th man at, at 
at Mumbai and Sachin Tendulkar was batting at um, at four. Pajara got out. There was about half the ground in at the time, and it erupted. Uh, England had got a wicket, and a very um, you know an Indian crowd erupted because Sachin was about to walk out to bat. And within twenty minutes, the ground was full, mm. um, which it was. Well, it was it was um, it was quite breathtaking, really, to see how how big an influence he'd had on on Indian cricket. And then when we got him out, it it, it was empty again. Um, but that said, you know, you see, you can see the passion for cricket and for their their superstars when you go over there and play. Uh, and I think uh, when you go to Australia, uh, there's obviously some some mad cricket fans over there. But there's they certainly enjoy giving out plenty of banter towards the the players, um, as well as supporting their own team. What's that like? Is it is it? It is, does it feel relentless? Uh, I'm just sort of wondering what's, what it's like being like being an England captain when you, 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 you must that sense of, you know, 16 people or however many your tour party against a whole nation, against this sort of this barrage of not, not always abuse, but that, the sense that everyone is against you. I think um, if you can get through the first test match mentally, um, I know it's something that we, we've struggled to do historically in terms of winning in Brisbane and even getting a draw. But if you can mentally get through it, then it, it gives you a, a huge boost, I suppose, or a realisation that you can still um, perform in, you know, against a, or against an environment which is very much against you, um, whether that be collectively or individually. And I suppose one of the things I've found having played there in the past is um, you probably find yourself a little bit more isolated than you might do elsewhere uh, in terms of, you know, you're walking out or um, out to bat or in certain situations in within a game, um, that atmosphere can make you feel like you're dealing with things on your own rather than with the 11 other guys or the squad of players that are around you. Um, and something very aware of for, for next time we go there is is making sure that none of our team ever feel in, like they're in that position. Um, also look back at that last series and um, there were a lot of things off the field that we mm. were dealing with and that had to manage, which some were avoidable, uh, definitely, um, but some have seemed to spiral out of control and be um, taken completely out of context or made a bigger deal of than they needed to be, which uh, made life a lot easier for for individuals on that tour and for us as a team collectively. So um, I suppose it, it big part of performing well over there is is managing the off the field stuff extremely well and um and having a really good understanding of you know the media pressures that an ashes tour away from home brings over any other series you might be involved in and that's very hard to educate young players that have never experienced that before so mm, of course yeah. there'll be a number of guys that going on their first ashes tour to australia this time around and all you want them to all, all you really want them to do is is to try and embrace it and not feel like they're dealing with it on their own. I, I suppose just relating to sort of other players in the world, I mean, you're often grouped, quite understandably, with three other batsmen, Kane Williamson, Virat Kohli and um, Steve Smith, as the sort of four, you know, powerful musketeer batsmen in the, in the world in all formats. Do you look at how they're going? Do you sort of measure yourself against them ever? Um, I, I try not to measure myself against other players. One thing I do do is watch a lot of them play, uh, watch a lot of 
how they go about constructing different types of innings across the three formats. Um, you're looking at three of the greatest players the game's seen, and I think when they when all three of those guys finish up, they'll look back or we'll look back at, at this generation or this period of of Test match cricket and see three of three of the great players of our time. Um, I'm not sure I would put myself in their bracket to be honest, but what I would say is uh, I watch Kane bat and I look at how he plays, how late he plays the ball, how um, how still he is and correct he is, and how how under pressure he really does find a way to to trust his defence in on any given surface. And I think that's a great quality to have, as well as the skill to be able to do it and to play the ball as late as he does, to mentally be able to um, not concede. Uh, confidence to to the bowler and and be able to trust you know all, all of his technique and uh, and his ability is uh, is something to be admired you look at steve smith and he's just i mean, I mean at times he's awful to watch he's horrible on the eye but <laughs> go you you pay for him to, to have him in your team he's a fantastic run scorer i think he's the way he thinks about the game and the way he manages passages of play is exceptional Mm. how he, he makes bowlers bowl where he wants them to. And again, his self-confidence, you, you can see by some of his idiosyncrasies and the way he you know, leaves the ball or he's, he's fight, trying to find ways to to always get on top of opposition and on the bowlers. And I think in uh, in the next, I suppose, next couple of years, sides will start doing a lot a lot more different things to him and, and trying different fields and, I suppose trying to make him again think differently about how he's going to score his runs. Um, would you do yeah. that right from the start of an Ashes series, Joe? Would you would you sort of you know go think out of the box right from the start? Yeah, I mean, you look back at the the how we started the field that we had to him at the at edge Baston, and I think for him to get off the mark, we had a leg slip. Mm, um, you did, yeah. It, it it was two yards away from Ben at leg slip. It could have been very different. Uh, it ended up going for mm. four, I think. Yeah, you're right. But we're talking of if we'd have had him, I think a yard or two yards finer, he could have been back in the in the shed for naught. And the, the two premier players, Warner and Smith, had got no runs. Um, they were 130 odd for eight or whatever before he he started to really put his foot down, and the series could look very different. And it was in the last Test match we we uh, we tried it a number of times throughout. But last Test match we went back to it, and I was quite strong that that's a, a position that I wanted for him with our attack, and he ended up getting out. Court yeah. leg slip. Um, I think Jimmy, Jimmy, did Jimmy catch it? I think maybe, or maybe it was Stokes. I yeah, think anyway, it was Stokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. but uh, you know, I think when someone bats differently, you have to think differently as a captain, and uh, and you have to be open to different plans as a as a bowling group. And firstly, he understands his game extremely well because he thinks differently about the game, and he and he plays differently. Danger for a danger ball for for someone with quite an orthodox technique doesn't seem to be as much of an issue for him. So I think all what what you've got to try and think of as a, as a captain and as opposition players is well, what's the what what's his danger ball? What's the ball that he's least wanting to face and what makes him uncomfortable? So, but the the way he's he's such a, a brilliant run scorer and his hunger and thirst for for big big scores is is fantastic and. Vera, I, I think he's the most complete player out of the, the three of them, if I'm being brutally honest, um, across the three formats. And his ability to, to chase things down in, in the limited overs format and to uh, dissect an innings and to pace it as well as he does, as often as he does, and be not out at the end is is extraordinary, really. He's got, 
as as the other two have, he's got a very all round game. But uh, there's no, you wouldn't say that he's um, you know weaker against spin or pace. I think um, you look at where he scored his runs. He obviously struggled on his first tour to England, but since then came back and and scored really really heavily on the last in the last series that we played them in English conditions and similarly wherever else he's been around the world he's he's um he's gone on and um and and put in some massive performances so um all all that with the weight of uh, india on his shoulders as well um so i think they're three brilliant people to watch play um and to uh to learn from even as an international player you you've got to look at guys like that, uh, those three and even I, I've always looked up to AB de Villiers as well, especially when looking at one-day cricket. Uh, but um, all you're trying to do is find things that they do and other areas that you can add to your game without trying to be them. Uh, implement what you can, and uh, I suppose mm, yeah. when you play against them, having having that knowledge on of, of watching them and learning from them. Can you try and pick apart their games and keep them as quiet as possible within a, within that series? I tell you what, I had a I had a bit of a text exchange with Steve Smith the other day, and um, I said it was something to do with the, the Rajasthan Royals. But um, we're talking about Joss Butler, who scored seventy or forty eight balls, and he said he scored seventy or forty eight balls, won us the game, and never got out of second gear on a tricky pitch. He has got as much innovation and power as only one other person, AB AB De Villiers. Uh, so he was Smith was sort of almost comparing Butler to AB. So with you know you can look abroad and look at all these great players abroad, but there's one or two in our own ranks as well who've got Definitely. some things that you can benefit from. Definitely, and, and I think that you look at uh, look at Joss's game. I think he's he's been the most complete white ball batsman that we've had um, ever yeah. because of the the way that he can play a number of different scenarios. Um, whether that's you look back at the, the the final one day against Australia when we beat them five nil at Old Trafford, the situation he came in there and won us the game. Uh, you also look at some of the hundreds that he's got of forty odd balls um, to set set us up and 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 get us to a, a huge total. He can just de- demoralise attacks and um, very quickly swing a game massively in your favour. And to know that there's someone with that ability further down. The batting order gives guys like myself, Jason, Johnny, Morgs, Ben, a huge amount of confidence to go out and play, and to to know that obviously you you know you're not playing um, in a way which is careless, but know that you at no point uh, you're not have constra- to be too nervous about it. Yeah, you yeah, can, you're not you can play with people. Mm. Yeah, and. Um, I, I just think he's a he's a phenomenal player, and I still don't see think we've seen the best of him yet. And mm. I, I think hopefully this summer uh, in mm. Test cricket can unlock doors for him. You speak to, or I saw an interview or a piece about AB de Villiers, and he said it took him fifty Test matches to to work out his Test game. I think it'd be very similar for Joss, to be honest. I, mm. um, you know, you, with us, know I suppose what, all the sort of compromise of having to play one day cricket as well, and the the kind of the the disconnect of the two formats in a way. Um, we we should move on a bit, actually. I mean, just one other question that, that related to all this, and you know, great high points and so on. Is there one moment in your own career which you'd like to sort of have a what if if you could picture 
one moment in your career and have it on your wall, but maybe you have somewhere, what what would it be? Um, I think stood on that podium in the World Cup final is going to be hard to beat. Um, uh, there was just a, a sensational tournament, a sensational day, an unbelievable game. But the four years that led into that as well, the journey that that group of players have been on together uh, and where we'd come from from the previous World Cup, uh, to be able to look round uh, at you know, the majority of that, that playing squad and to know that um, that was four years of hard work that we could all enjoy together and something that we'll, we'll have for, for the rest of our lives, I suppose. And um, I think it's going to be hard to beat that. I suppose winning in Australia, lifting the end in Australia would be a nice way of topping it. Good call. Shall we? Shall we do our um our special, Simon? Yeah, let's 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 do it. Yeah, we've got does we've Joe, got a surprise. Does Joe, know Joe. does Joe know about this or not? No, he doesn't. Um, um, it's, it's, it's not, a little it's, surprise. It's, don't worry. It's nothing. It's not it's a not, sort of. We're not going to get someone to popping out of the closet to um <laughs> to surprise as long you. As it's not David Boone back naked in a mirror. That's, uh, <laughs> I'm sure no, I'm this this it. is this is um uh, a little quiz we've put together. Uh, which we've okay. called "How Well Do You Know Yourself?" Okay. Right, and uh, we'll start it with a little bit of music. Okay, so that uh, signifies uh, the little quiz section. How do you well do you know yourself? Um, so we'll start with some, you know, some simple ones, fairly simple ones. Do you know how many test runs you've scored? 7,500. Oh, you've done yourself out of a few. I've better that way around, I suppose. <laughs> um, sorry, that that's uh, nearly right. Not bad. You have done yourself out of a few. 7,823, actually. Right, okay. So we'll give you half a point for that. Okay, okay. Simon? This is a, I think this is a much more straightforward question. Who was your first test wicket? Ed Cowan. Yeah. Very good. So that's one, one and a half out of two. Um, how many runs did you make in your, fir- in your first ODI? None. I didn't bat, I don't think. I bowled nine overs and didn't bat. Very nine, good. I think I was due to well, come in. Uh. Excellent. Well done. Okay. Two and a half out of three. Every player remembers their first Test 100. Who was your second Test 100 against? Australia. My second Test 100? Was it not against Australia? Oh, well, uh, well, now you put the pressure back on me. I did research this the other day. Sri Lanka at Lords in 2014, 200 not out. I thought I got 180 against Australia at Lords the year let before. Just, let, let me just let me Ooh, just. Oh maybe dear, Simon oh Mann is. Oh no! It is... Okay, well you check that one out while we go on to the next one. Um, have you taken more Test wickets or ODI wickets? And roughly, do you know which? Uh, which well, it should be more Test, test wickets. Wicket, more I, Test I, wickets I, and ODI wickets. I reckon Test because I'm the captain, so I should bowl myself enough to to get to get a few wickets. Correct. It's 29 against 26. 
So 29 test wickets, 26 ODIs. Simon, have you got the answer yet? No. I'm nearly there. I'm okay. Nearly there. Um, right. Um, next question. On which ground did you take your first, did you make your first ODI half century? Hamilton? Oh, um, Napier, maybe. No, M Mahali. Mahali. I reckon I reckon Simon Mann's a bit bit dodgy on the, the stats for research. No, I reckon, anyway, I reckon we'll, we lost that again. We lost that series. When we lose okay. generally my memory's not as good when we lose. So. Okay, well I'll, we'll so yeah, you've got about, about four out of six here so far. Okay, no, question I'm seven. Have, I'm gonna guys, I'm gonna have to hold my hand up. Joe's absolutely right. 180 against uh, Australian Lords. I do you know what I was doing? I was looking at first innings hundreds rather than rather than match right. hundreds. I'm a man gets a right old raspberry. Yeah, you're right, I deserve that. You're absolutely right. Okay, so five out of six. We'll give you four and a half to five out of six, Joe. Four to go. Who has registered more test match ducks out of you and Virat Kohli? Um, I'd, I'd have to say myself, batting in England more frequently. How, did you How many ducks do you think you've got? Between 10 and 15. You've got eight. Eight. And Coley has 10. Oh. And I did check that. Um, so Harley's definitely right as well, by the way. Definitely. So he's, he's got, he's got only got half. I think you've only got about half a mark. You've got one, one wrong, definitely. Anyway. Okay. So, um, that's you, you've you've got you've got the the, the ducks wrong because Coley's got more ducks than you. Uh, so very modestly, you said you thought you had more than him. Um, how many sixes have you hit in tests? Fourteen, twenty-two, or twenty-nine? Fourteen. Do yourself down, Joe. The answer's twenty-two. Twenty-two. Right. Two more questions to go, Simon. Uh, where did your parents buy their first house? Oh, um, well, I think. Hull? Did you say Hull? Someone's put on a... You don't know, do you? I don't know. Okay, well, so we'll have to give you a, a raspberry for that. It's <laughs> it's Nottingham. Um, and this is this is uh, supply, information supplied by <clears throat> Mr. Matt Root, um, your dad. Um, and finally then, where did they go for their honeymoon? Any idea? Um, I think... The Lake District is right. So, very good. So you've probably got seven out of ten there, actually. Not bad. So that that's sort of that's a B anyway. Not bad. A bit more homework required, but B is <laughs> decent. <laughs> well, listen, thank you very much for your time. I mean, if, if anybody could uh, have a better role model uh, than you uh, in terms of the way you handle yourself as well as the way you play, uh, I don't know who that could possibly be. Um, you, you know your sort of your dignity and your co contribution to the game, your commitment to the game, and your family's commitment to the game is second to none. So, and just uh, epitomised by your attendance on this. So, you know, thank you very much for your time. And, and what's your plan for the next week or two? You're going to try and get back into practice, presumably, are you? Uh, yeah, the next couple of weeks, um, I've already started a fitness program, and then um, I think as of next next week, we they've got a tent to or facilities that we we should be able to get back hitting some balls and um, starting to get ready for for the winter tours so it'd be great to, to get back into training and um, start getting ready again and every winter is a busy winter but this one looks extremely extremely busy for different reasons and um, mm -hmm. 
but all the same, very exciting and um, great opportunities to do some special things. So looking forward to it. Well, it was fascinating listening to those insights from Joe Root. What a fantastic ambassador he is for the game of cricket. In fact, his whole family are. If you think of the, the, the academy they've set up, the Root Academy, which his father, Matt, has been very heavily involved with. In fact, he's out there at the moment in Desert Springs in Spain looking after it. And he tells me it's empty at the moment. So a great opportunity for club or even a county side to get out there and practice or individuals to get out there and practice. It's beautiful weather in Spain at the moment and lots of uh, domestic and club sides have used the outdoor and indoor facilities there at the Desert Springs Centre. So actually go onto the website website to Root Academy is, is really interesting. Lots of the stuff they're doing there is quite fascinating actually and quite uh, forward thinking in many ways. So thank you to Joe Root uh, for giving up his time. We have Stuart Broad of course in the Virtual Cricket Club next Thursday the 29th of October at 7pm. Eagerly looking forward to that. He also is giving up his time to try and raise money for the Professional Cricketers Trust. You can join us in that club by going to Patreon dot com slash the analyst one that's www.patreon that's patron with an e before the o dot com slash the analyst one and connect to that it's six pounds a month uh, but we'll guarantee for that four live events and lots of blogs as well so i hope you think that's good value for money and don't forget of course that is raising funds for the professional cricketers trust next thursday night in the virtual club hope you can join us then thanks for listening Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.